Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Uh, I'm really glad that everybody's here today, and happy Mother's Day. Uh, We're going to continue this series that Broderick started last week uh, called Running with the Giants. And last week, the giant he spoke of was Noah. This week, since it's Mother's Day, figured we'd talk about Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca was the wife of Isaac, daughter-in-law of Abraham, and uh, she was the mother of Jacob and Esau. Uh, But one of the stories in the Bible that we don't often talk about is how generous or the spirit of generosity that Rebecca had or has. And so today we're going to talk about a few things that I think that she would say to us when we talk about generosity and when we talk about being generous. Uh, The Bible teaches us in the New Testament that uh, you will know Jesus' followers by how we love others. And not by what we say we believe, not by what we say we're against, not by how we uh, wear our clothes, but by how we love others, how we treat other people. And generosity and being generous is part of that. So when I was thinking about all of this this week, uh, I asked myself the question, what do we think about or who do we think about? Whose picture comes to mind when we think of generosity, when we think of generous people, uh, the most generous person you know? And for me, that was my mom. I think of my mother. As, as a mother, I don't think I really understood until I became a mother what that generosity really meant, like how just how much she really did and, and still does. And so talking about Rebecca today, um, I hope that you'll get some uh, more ideas on being generous, but as I look around the room, I pretty much know everybody here, <laughs> and I'm thinking guys are already a generous group of people, so uh, take notes for your friends. <laughs> Pass this along. Uh, the series uh, focuses on the verse from uh, Hebrews chapter 12, the first verse in Hebrews chapter 12, if you're following along. It's not in your notes, it's in last week's notes, actually. Um, it says, therefore, since we were surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. And the word... uh, is, that's found in Hebrews chapter 12, the first verse. Now, I was thinking about that um, as we talked about uh, Noah and the race, and then Broderick was talking about the rest of the series, and he's even been joking around that he was going to show up here in like a tracksuit and really talk about running. With him, you never know, he really might do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in uh, 
in a race, oftentimes we think of motherhood as a race. We think of it as a race to get through the week, a race to get through the school year. I read um, a blog post the other day uh, by a mom, I think she's got six kids. Yeah, six kids. And she talked about how she checked out sometime after spring break when it comes to the end of the school year. So even the school year's a race. Um, when I go up to my kids' school now, it's, okay, nine days left, eight days left. It's the countdown is on. And so we see so much like a race. And the point in the book of Hebrews was that the writer was telling folks who may or may not have been familiar with the characters in the Old Testament, letting them know that, hey, there are all these great men and women of faith, men and women who ran the race, and there's so much that we can learn from them. And so today uh, we're talking about Rebecca, Abraham's daughter-in-law, and we usually just gloss over the story in Genesis. It literally goes from uh, Abraham's wife, Sarah, has passed on, and he's standing around and he's going, you know what? My Isaac, my son Isaac, still doesn't have a wife, and God made this promise to me that I'm going to be the father of, of a great nation, of millions of people. Like, you can't count them. But my son is not married yet. So he sends what Abraham does, just setting up the, the background on this today, is Abraham sends his most trusted servant, loads him up with a bunch of camels and jewelry and goods and things, and says, go to my relatives, go to the people that I know, and find my son a wife. And back then, that was the normal thing to do. It was that uh, you went out and you found someone for your son or daughter to marry. Not really the thing we do now. Although I'm sure there's some parents in here who are probably already thinking, we should go back to, Tia's got her hand raised. <laughs> we should go back to that. <laughs> so what we're talking about today is giving generously to others, others, and some of the things that Rebecca might tell us if she were standing here with us today uh, to tell us about what it means to give generously and how that can impact your life and the life of many others. Um, okay, so back to setting up the scene. We've got Abraham. He's going to be the father of millions. His son's not married. As we open the book of Genesis in chapter 24, uh, Abraham sends his most trusted servant to go find a wife for Isaac among their relatives who lived in the land Abraham came from. The servant goes on this long, long trip loaded down with camels and a bride price because you can't just show up and say, hey, can I marry your daughter? Hey, Mr. Navon, I'd like to uh, marry Truth uh, to my, my uh, master's son and not show up with like a whole bunch of stuff. So he had a bride price. He had jewelry. He had camels. He made sure he showed up that he could back up what he was talking about when he said who his master was. So he gets there with his uh, 10 camels and uh, the goods and the jewelry, and he comes upon a spring and he sees, uh, I guess back then the ladies were the ones that gathered the water or went and picked up the water for their camps, for their, their homes. And so he sees women, uh, young women, going to get the water, and he makes this deal with God. Okay, so let me back up right there. It's probably not a good idea to make deals with God. Uh, that's more of an Old Testament thing. We really don't see that in the New Testament. And we don't see it in the New Testament because we have the Holy Spirit, so it's really not a, a thing to do. But the servant says, you know what, I'm going to pray. 
So your notes start off with, right under where it says, give generously to others. Then he prayed. And they were talking about the servant prayed, Genesis 24 and 12. Then he prayed, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, he prayed, give me success today and show unfailing love to my master Abraham. See, I am standing here beside this spring and the young women of the town are coming out to draw water. This is my request. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says, yes, have a drink, and I will water your camels too, let her be the one you have selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I will know that you have shown unfailing love to my master. Before he had finished praying, he saw a young woman named Rebecca coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, who was the son of Abraham's brother Nahor and his wife Milcah. I'm guessing I said their names right. Um, that's found in Genesis 12, 13. And in your notes right in front of you there. So there's three principles and some action items for you today that we're going to talk about. The Bible goes on to say when we uh, look at the rest of the text there in chapter 24 that not only did his prayer immediately come true, like he made this prayer request of God and God answered it right then and there. So that in and of itself is kind of a miracle. Um, but the Bible goes on to say that he asked her for a drink of water and she said yes and she offered to get water for his camels. And then it goes on to telling the rest of the story about how you know she gets the water for the camels. And in the next scene, we are meeting her dad and her brother, and they're talking about this whole marriage contract and why the servant is there and all of that. And, but let me back up for just a second and talk about the camels. We overlook this often. Why was it a big deal? How can we say that Rebecca was generous? Because any one of us really would offer somebody a drink. Right? Many of you were offered coffee and uh, tea just now in the Mosaic Cafe. Um, it's not a big deal to say, oh, well, I've already got water, I've got a jug of water. But picture, if you will, 10 camels that are thirsty. And um, the minimum a camel might drink at the end of a day of traveling is 20 gallons of water. Now, she had this jug on her shoulder, and I thought about getting the jug, but then I realized that I probably couldn't even lift an empty jug. So I've got this handy-dandy bottle of water. And even that is a little, no, it's not that heavy. But imagine, if you will, obviously Rebecca was bigger than me. Imagine, if you will, she's walking around with this jug on her shoulder. And I see people all the time on TV and stuff. They've got jugs on their shoulders, their heads, and whatever. So maybe that's normal. She didn't have a gym membership. She wasn't eating fit box meals and, and making sure that she was ready to, to go. But she's got this jug. She offers the guy, the servant just asked for one drink of water. So you figure, oh, that's not a big deal. Let me pour a little bit of water, give him a drink, and he's on his way. But she offers to water his camels as well, and she fills a trough that's there, I guess available to uh, water animals uh, there near the spring. And she fills the trough with water. 10 camels times 20 gallons each, because you figure you're going to need a minimum of 20 gallons. Her jug is probably, or her jar is probably a five gallon jar. You're nodding your head, yes, so okay. You're with me. So she's got a five gallon jar. It's 200 gallons of water drawn. Conservative, conservatively speaking, at 
maybe three minutes each jug fill, you know, back and forth. That's 40 trips. Right there, I'm a little overwhelmed. I love y'all. I'll know if I do 40 trips. I don't know if I'm that generous. But she probably, at three minutes each, 40 trips would have taken her two hours. Two hours. So what seemed like a simple offer of kindness probably took Rebecca two hours. So let me ask you a couple of questions. These are things, don't raise your hand, don't look at your neighbor, don't elbow nobody, but think about these things. Do you hesitate? Do I hesitate to give when the request will take a lot of time, energy, or money? Someone asks us to do something, I don't know, like hang out with us at Middleton Day. That's going to take time. Um, were there times when while drawing water, if you put yourself into Rebecca's shoes as we've been talking just now, were there times when drawing water that you were tempted to quit? You know, maybe at the 25th jug or the 26th jug. You're like, oh, this is a lot. I'm imagining Rebecca had better muscles than what I've got going here, which really aren't muscles. Um, they're just there. But she's doing all of this, and she's not thinking about the commitment. She's just being generous. It was what was in her heart to do. Here, uh, the last question I have for you is, do you ask yourself what's in it for me before deciding whether or not to be generous? Because when she made the decision to say, yes, you can have a drink of water, and I'll water your camels, she did not say, are you going to give me something? Now, he does. He gave her a piece of jewelry, which I thought was really cool. But she didn't say what's in it for me before she acted. She just gave. So when we think about that, think about those things. Think about that for this week. Here at Mosaic, we smile and we laugh a lot. We like to have fun. And when we smile, that's a form of generosity. When we hug, it's a, it's a form of generosity. When we put parking signs out in the parking lot, it's a generous act to let someone else know that, hey, there's smiling folks inside here that want to meet you. Um, being generous with your time uh, is an opportunity to not only serve God and serve in the kingdom, but it's an opportunity to just simply be generous without thinking about what you get out of, out of that. Um, Roderick mentioned that at Mableton Day, at past Mableton Days, we've had folks that have uh, joined our church because they came by our booth and we smiled. We were generous. We gave them Bibles. We gave them daily bread. The same stuff that's out there on the information table right now is going to be out there at Mableton Day on, on Saturday, along with cool Frisbees. Um, so you definitely, if you want one, you should come. Uh, but here's the rest of the story. Rebecca spends two hours generously going above and beyond what is really even expected of her. The servant tells her who he is. He gives her some jewelry that he had with him. He, uh, she brings him to meet her father and brother. And Abraham's servant goes uh, forward with explaining his mission and explaining why he's there. And then her family says, well, 
yeah, we accept the proposal of marriage, but let's wait 10 days. Let's give it 10 days and then uh, she can go. And Rebecca says, mm, no, I can go today. And so she leaves with him. So not only is she generous, but she's really good at making decisions and making decisions that impact her life and everyone. And so as we talk through some of the Rebecca principles, I want you to think of what would Rebecca say to us, or WWRS, what would Rebecca say? So the first point on your uh, handout is you can't be generous and legalistic. You can't be generous and legalistic at the same time. You can't be generous and legalistic at the same time. In other words, it means that you can't count. You, generosity isn't a give-to-get mentality. God wants to bless you more than anything else. You're, a ble you're blessed to be a blessing. So when God blesses you, it's not because you're just all that in a bag of chips, but you are. But it's so that you can bless others, so that you can bring others, connect others to him, the light that's living inside of you that... They want to, have, want to find out, why are you smiling? Why are you so generous? Why do you give? Because of Jesus. And that's what Rebecca is saying to us. You can't, you can't be generous and legalistic at the same time. Your motivation matters. God is looking for a willing heart. Every Sunday, our dream team, because we don't like to say volunteers, our dream team serves every week with a willing spirit they invest in our children. They invest in preparing for worship. They invest in preparing the handouts. They invest in making sure that you're well caffeinated. And because, you know, you've got to be well caffeinated. Um, they make sure that the parking signs are out there. You know, somebody's life can be changed because of a parking sign. It can be changed because of a flag that's out there. There's no flags today, but they're, but they're out there most of the time. <laughs> could be driving by and see the flag and maybe they're on their way somewhere so they don't stop here that Sunday but they remember there's a church at that school and they remember next Sunday I'm going to come back because they saw the sign that said church starts at 11 they saw the sign uh, they saw the name of the church and maybe they uh, googled it right there and said oh I know when to come back oh they've got kids ministry great I'm going to come back I'm going to bring my kids and leave the kids in the kids ministry because they are having a great time our dream teamers in the kids ministry are making sure that all the kids from the little little ones are learning about making good choices and learning about God and learning that God loves them while we're in here learning basically the same thing making good choices learning that God loves them and so Sunday mornings, I'm really amped. I'm real excited. I am. You know, it, it's not just the two cups of coffee I have at the house before I get here and then drink more of the coffee. Yes, amen, Elizabeth. Amen. The I'm excited to be here. How many of you are excited just to be here this morning? All right. There's a lot of things we could say about why we're excited. We could say we're excited just because we uh, got up this morning. We're excited because the kids are not sitting next to us. Um, we're excited because the the kids are learning. That we're excited because we're here amongst our friends and family. 
But really, I'm just excited to be serving God. I'm excited because someone may show up any Sunday whose life will be changed because of the music. They might be changed because of a smile. They might be changed because of something that's on the note page or one of the funny videos or the parking sign. I'm just really excited. And for those of you who, uh, who don't, uh, don't know me as, as well, I grew up in church. I'm like, I'm so grown up in church, if that's a word, uh, that my great-grandfather was a pastor on one side. My grandfather was a pastor. My dad was a pastor. I've spent so many hours. I think I've logged enough hours. I could sleep on Sundays. Really. But I don't. Why? Because I'm still excited about God. I'm still excited about the lives changing. Over the years, I've seen people's lives change. I've seen what having a relationship with Christ and a relationship with other life-giving Jesus followers, what that means. Now, some of you probably wonder why I keep checking on things around uh, in the hallways, checking on the kids, making sure that just everything's in place because I want it all to be special for that person who's first time here and make that and make a difference. Make sure that all of those things are, are in place. So I'm here from setup to set, uh, breakdown. I'd love for you to be here too. Some Sundays, nine o'clock we start. Uh, we're all done by one. It's only four hours. Um, but giving that time, uh, Sunday mornings, I don't have a problem. You can ask my husband. I don't have a problem getting out of bed on Sunday mornings. Monday, different story. I think Brooke went to school twice this week with her hair looking just a little off because I didn't make it out of bed in time. But Sundays, I am up and running because I'm excited to see you. I'm excited to see people that I don't know or people that are coming to hear about God. So speaking of God, there's a Bible verse that goes with us. Uh, 2 Corinthians Chapter 9, verses 6 through 8 says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Erica told me so. It's not an answer. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. What's really cool about this is verse 8. And, and God will generously provide all you need. I've seen this verse played out in my life. I've seen it played out in many of your lives. You, if you're doing what God put you here to do on purpose and living a life of generosity, then you have what you need. And you'll have enough to be able to share what you have. Remember we said we're blessed to be a blessing. So God will generously provide all that you need. There's another way of looking at it in the uh, in another translation, the NIV translation, and some of you may have, may have that at home. It says, 
uh, verse 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. What are all those things that he's talking about? What are the all things? Your life, your marriage, your children, your job, your side hustle, your volunteer work. You will have what you need to be successful in every area of your life. But planting or investing generously in others really gets you to that and to that next step. And that's what you're looking at. You're sowing seeds. When you uh, serve on the PTA at your school, you're sowing seeds in the lives of children who don't necessarily have a parent who can make time for that. When you're sowing seeds serving at church, when you're serving at Mableton Day, when you are uh, helping out in your neighborhood uh, with... I don't know, our next-door neighbor makes sure that the trash can is moved at the clubhouse every uh, every week if there's something going on. It's little things. So the next point on our, uh, on our list there is you can't walk the second until you've walked the first. You can't walk the second until you've walked the first. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But you, if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And that's found in Luke chapter 16. So verse 10, though, is our focus. If you're faithful in the little things, if you do something small and you do it well, then you'll be faithful in the large ones, too. How easy would it have been for Rebecca to keep it moving and not offer the servant a drink? He does say, the Bible tells us, there were other people there. There were other people who could have offered him a drink too. But no one did. She did. She was the answer to his prayer. Whose prayer will you answer this week? She could have done the convenient thing. She could have just ignored him. What opportunities to demonstrate generosity are we passing up because it's inconvenient to do it right now? So the, uh, the principle of sowing and reaping is something that Rebecca had figured out. And it's a principle that Jesus uh, uses in many of his parables. Uh, Roderick spoke uh, on parables a few uh, months ago. It's a common thread in a lot of Jesus' parables, the notion of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. So point three, uh, what would Rebecca say to us? You can't wait for the feeling. You can't wait for the feeling. It will follow. So put a star by this in your notes because this actually applies in so many areas of our lives. Uh, You've heard people say, well, I'm waiting for the Lord to tell me or I'm waiting until I'm led. Just don't feel led to watch your kid today. I'm sorry. Um, I don't want to be, I don't want you to be burdened to do something because when you're being generous, generosity is not a burden. There are a lot of things that you might be burdened to do. You might feel compelled to do. But generosity is not one of them, according to the Bible. According to the Bible, giving is a decision. Sharing your time generously is a decision. Sharing your skills or or your knowledge about something is a decision. 
In fact, when you're tempted, it's really your feelings lying to you. Now I'll just leave that one. Uh, single people. Um, I don't think Rebecca woke up that morning knowing or feeling that some guy was going to show up, a servant of some really rich dude, show up and offer her a marriage proposal. She didn't wake up that morning feeling that way. She was just generous. Oh, you look thirsty. Sure, you can have a drink. Your camels look thirsty. I'll make sure they drink too. And because I've been working out, I'll handle it. I got two hours to kill. Yes. So the Bible heads uh, this this area in your Bible where we're going to uh, talk about Matthew chapter 6. The section in the Bible, most Bibles say teaching about money and possessions. You know how your Bible breaks down uh, some of the uh, sections into, to let you know what you've got, what you're working with there. And it tells us that your heart follows the money. We make decisions every day about how we're going to use or spend our resources. Um, you're making a decision about whether or not you're going to be generous. You're making an investment into the life of someone else. But you can't wait for the feeling it's going to be going to follow. So a couple of points here is Rebecca, if you read the rest of the chapter uh, about Rebecca in Genesis chapter 24, you'll learn that she went with Abraham's servant with Isaac being sight unseen. Now, how many of us who are married would have married our husbands without seeing him first? Yeah, me either. Um, so did have a lot of jewelry with it. No. <laughs> Cultural differences, different time. Uh, but she listened and she said, you know what? I'm going to go. She made a decision. I'm going to go. And she went. Uh, we often get this, uh, the verse 21 a little backwards when we talk about it. We, sometimes we mix it up. We say where our heart is, that's where our treasure is. But actually, the Bible says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. Treasure first, heart second. We make decisions about our treasure. Our heart follows the decisions. So a decision you might be thinking about making out on the information table, we've got little cards about a mission trip this summer. Going to Haiti. We're going to serve uh, at a summer camp in Haiti with the Children of Haiti Enhancement Foundation. And you might be thinking, I can't go. For And there's a whole host of reasons why maybe you can't go. But you can give so someone else can go. You can send someone else if you can't be the one that goes. Uh, Maybe you've been praying to God to change your heart so that you will want to go after the things that matter to him. Maybe you've been praying that you want to change in general and you're waiting for some, for some magical bolt of lightning from the sky. You can make that change today. You can make a decision today. Some things you can decide on today is you can decide today that you're going to live the rest of your life for Christ. You can decide today that you want to join this church. Just throw out a little card there that you've got with your program. You can decide today that you're going to trust God in a whole new way with your finances by making sure that the first 10% off of your income goes to Him. You can begin tithing today. You can decide today that you want to get baptized next Sunday. That's a decision that you can make today. You can decide today that you want to be a part of this community of believers. You can decide today that you want to be generous. 
You do not have to wait for a special feeling. You do not have to wait for you to win the lottery. You can decide that today. Rebecca stepped out on faith. You can step out on faith today. You can decide that you're going to be generous in some way for someone and see how it impacts your life and generations that follow you. Rebecca could have said, you know what, I don't know this guy. I don't really feel like feeding his camels today. This jug is heavy. I'm tired. He could get his own drink of water. I mean, like, really? But she didn't. How many opportunities do we have to make a decision to be generous and we pass it by because it's just, we just don't feel like it. And feelings are not what we should be waiting on. So some final words of encouragement as we uh, move on here. Actions that make a difference. Things you can do today. The first one is even the smallest acts of generosity make a difference. Even the smallest acts of generosity make a difference. Rebecca is the 37th great-grandmother of Jesus. You may not see the results today of what you do, but 37 generations later, there's an impact. The reverse of that, 37 generations ago in your bloodline, somebody prayed for you. Somebody prayed for you when you were a child. Your parents may have had you dedicated, which we're doing on the fourth Sunday. So if they did that, there have been people praying for you for years. Small things make a difference in your life now, but they can make difference, make a difference to people in your life, people you know, people you don't know, people generations to come. One of the differences is from a generosity standpoint that you can make today is in being generous, people are watching you. People are watching you. Your kids are watching you, moms. Dads, your kids are watching you. The things that I can tell my kids, they may or may not listen, but they're watching me. And if I do something that I don't want them to do, I better not do it in front of them. But they'll still find out because they're kids. They're funny that way. But you think about the things that you learned. Think about your coworkers that are watching you. They're watching you. They know you go to church on Sunday because you hand them, uh, tell them, they send them a link to the podcast. You've handed them invite cards from Mosaic. They know you go to church. They are watching you. They're watching you right now to determine if Christ is for them. They're watching you right now to see if you're generously living your life. If you are doing things, what does it mean to be Christ-like? They're watching how you handle difficult situations. They're watching how you spend your money. If you buy a latte every lunch hour, every day at, on your lunch hour, and then you come up on Friday talking about you broke and you don't have money to pay your bills, they're watching you. They're like, oh, that person's just like, oh, mismanaging everything. But they're watching you. It's small actions make a difference, but small acts of generosity, it's a, it's a mindset, it's a lifestyle. And if you're doing it right, it should fill you up. You should be excited to be generous, excited that you can give, excited that you're helping somebody uh, pay for their groceries or you're helping someone walk across the street, you're helping someone uh, take care of their child. If you're giving to God first, God takes care of the rest. And that includes spending time with God, taking a Sabbath from your busy week, 
Uh, Mondays are usually my Sabbath. I try to rest on Mondays because uh, I go all in on Sundays, so by Monday I'm kind of spent. But if it doesn't work, then I try to take a couple of hours here and there throughout the week. Learn to say no. Make sure that you can refuel. It's not generosity if you're overwhelmed. It's not generosity. You're not helping anybody if you're showing up, oh, I'm tired. Can't really help you. But I'm here. No. You, generosity, if you're doing it right, should fuel you, should give you energy. If you're just excited for God, excited to be doing something that helps somebody. Making godly decisions about how you spend and invest your time and your money. And in the, uh, chapter 10 of Matthew, it says, And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. God bless our dream teamers. Our dream teamers get this. They're setting up gates. They're setting up sound system. They're setting up tables and putting tablecloths out there and coffee. They get that. If only a cup of water to any one of Jesus' followers, if you're reading this in the Bible, it's red. Jesus said it. Jesus said, in the the chapter, if you read ahead of it, and I'm a big fan of not just getting stuck on one verse here, you really got to kind of look at the whole chapter. In this chapter, Jesus is telling his disciples to go and save the lost sheep of Israel. He also tells them what they're up against. He tells them to accept generosity. So by the same, uh, the flip side is be accept generosity when someone's giving it to you. And give as well. All right, uh, moving along, number two there, actions that can make a difference. The impact of your generosity outlives you. John chapter 4 now, when you have time later today, not right now, later today, tonight, next week, something, read the whole chapter four because that's where uh, Jesus meets the Samaritan woman. Uh, you'll also see the name of our subdivision mentioned in there. Um, but <laughs> always catches me by surprise when I see it. But he's talking to the Samaritan woman, and just a little bit of background: the Samaritans were part Jewish, so they kind of got the whole there's a Messiah coming one day thing. So when you have time, read the whole thing, but the passage ends with verse 38, with Jesus talking to his disciples about reaching people who already believe in God but don't have the whole story or haven't met folks who are living their lives generously for Jesus. And he says here, I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work for you, and now you will gather the harvest. Others have already done the work. We are here because somebody else already did some work. We're here today because someone else prayed. We're here today because of all the other churches in Mableton. We're here today because of all the churches in Louisiana. We're here today because of all the other churches in California where many of you went to church previously. So if you're showing up and you already have been to church before, the impact of your generosity helps you understand the whole point of why we're here. So you're able to go above and beyond what's all the groundwork. You're there to reap the harvest. And so in 2015, we have a harvest to gather that we don't realize is there. And what I really want you to think about when you're gathering the harvest is it's urgent. 
there is an urgency in gathering the harvest. If any of you have a garden at home, I know I do, I know Seanette does, um, sometimes you're looking at the fruit of your, uh, on your garden, things that are growing, and you're like, you know what, I better get outside and go pick that tomato before the birds get it. Because the birds like to poke their beaks in the tomatoes and drink the juice of the tomato. And guess what? We can't eat it if it's like that. So there's an urgency. Oh my gosh, that tomato's right. You like that? <laughs> I'm so entertaining, Will. <laughs> there's an urgency to reap this harvest. There are people out there who've been to church before. They didn't like it. Invite them here. Maybe they, maybe they were around people who didn't model being Christ-like. Maybe they were around people who weren't generous. Maybe they were around people who said they were Christian, but they only talked about what they were against. There's a whole lot of things God is for. I brought my big Bible today to show you that. It, there's a lot of things that God is for. So the impact of your generosity outlives you because you could be laying the groundwork for the next generation now. And our last point is a great point to end on today. When you give, you give to the Lord. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.